0: From the Mercy One studio. Welcome, folks, to The Uncommon Good with Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr. Every week, diving deep into the truth of Catholic social teaching and restoring all things in Christ. The Uncommon
1: Good is on the air. I'm Bo
0: Bonner.
2: So I'm Dr. Bud Marr.
1: We are coming to you from these United States of America through the magic of Iowa Catholic Radio Studio, broadcasting you throughout the airwaves, wherever you hear this show, through Iowa, through Oklahoma, on the internet, on the interwebs, on our app. Thank you for listening. It's wonderful to have all of you here. I am here in Des Moines, Iowa, where I'm the Director of Mission and Ministry at Mercy College of Health Sciences and the director of the Zeta Institute. You can find out more at mchs.edu. Bud, out there in Pittsburgh, America, tell people what you are doing out there in the great state of Pennsylvania.
2: Yeah, I'm the director of the National Institute for Newman Studies in Pittsburgh, and you can find out about all of our work at NewmanStudies.org.
1: Now, Bud, to embarrass you on air, that's not all you've been doing this last week. You've not done much. As a family, you've been doing quite a bit. So, you mind telling folks uh, what your family's been up to in the last few days?
2: Oh yeah, late um, uh, late on Monday night. It's all running together for me now. Uh, we had the arrival of number seven, Jim Rose. So that was that was exciting. But thank you everyone for your support and prayers. It went really smoothly. Uh, it I, I never take it for granted to have you know, a healthy arrival and everything. So, um, a shout out to my wife, Rachel <laughs> for, um, uh, yeah, it, it was, it was quite amazing. And her parents are here right now supporting us a bit, but happy to be on the show as well.
1: Uh, you, I was gonna, I, I was hoping you didn't mention, you know, the extended family quite yet. Cause I wanted people to get the impression that your wife is like really tired with a newborn and like six other kids and here you are on a show, but no, 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 of course you have extended family. And especially since we're talking about the, the topic yeah. of family, what that means today, I, I just think it's uh really relevant to uh, point out that you're an expert at this uh, seven times over and to congratulate the entire Mar family. But uh, from me and everyone at the radio show, tell Rachel, congratulations. We hope she gets some rest.
2: Oh yeah. It's always you know, there, there's always little tidbits, unique things that happen, uh, whenever a birth occurs. And this go around, I think the big surprise was, um, the midwives during the lead up were estimating like maybe a six or seven pound baby, but Jim ended up, ended up being at like nine pounds, 10 ounces. So, uh, like someone said on, on Facebook yesterday, she looks like a two month old, but, um, <laughs> that's good. She, she's robust and healthy.
1: Well, my favorite part about this is, you know, so I don't just to air out, you know, all sorts of mar dirty laundry, you know, you had four girls and then two boys. So now the boys have a younger sister and I'm I'm sure that that sort of puts an entire new spin on their galaxy of understanding sibling relationships that like there's actually a girl in the family younger than them.
2: Oh man. Yeah, and I we're kind of keeping a close eye on Cyprian. He's a sweet little guy, our 2-year-old but he's truly a bulldozer and um i don't think two i don't think two year old boys completely recognize their strength yet
1: that's right especially in con, uh, uh in comparison to a newborn <laughs> well congratulations to the Marr family welcome jim rose and uh prayers to all of our uh recent mothers expecting mothers adopting mothers i there's a lot of people i know um that that are doing all sorts of stuff and uh mother's day was a while ago but it's always a good day to point out to mothers that we appreciate all that they do and we're praying for you as always speaking of sort of the mother of this show if i can make a horrible transition uh we're always underwritten by mercy college of health sciences so thank you mercy college of health sciences for making our show possible mchs.edu uh we are rolling through the summer semester, one of the most unique semesters in the summer that we've probably seen, not only because of everything going on in society at large, but also because we had a large class, the largest summer class we ever had. Um, I think people are responding, Bud, exactly to this moment about wanting to help people and Mercy College is exactly a place to go earn a degree where you can immediately go help uh, others to be a a part of your community that brings healing to a world that needs it, mchs.edu.
2: Yeah, I've said this on the show before, but it's nice for me to remain connected and be able to teach there. And I guess um, being a part of it all, it was impressive to see the school pivot and, uh, and and to be there, I think, as a presence in Des Moines during a time where a lot of people were thinking about public health and the need for, for quality medical professionals. So that, that's awesome.
1: So today on the show, speaking of Des Moines, we have uh, not only all stars on, uh, you know, the Uncommon Good—they've been on multiple times—but really, but two all stars for the entire uh, diocese of Des Moines. Nay, maybe even the city of Des Moines. Uh, you know, we we don't get to have parades, but if we did, um, these two could have their own parade float. We have Adam Story and John Wynn on the show, directors of uh, Adam, the director of marriage and family life, and then uh, John, the director of faith journey and uh, other catechetical aspects of the diocese. So it's always wonderful to have them on. We're going to pick their brains um, on the topic that I already threw out. We're going to talk about families, Um, not only, you know, the good of family, but family and what it means to be family has been very much in the news, not only in the news of the Marr family, (laughs) but uh, nationwide as people are discussing What does the family mean? What do we mean when we talk about things like the nuclear family? Does that mean you have special powers that you can, like, have x ray vision? You know, what do we mean by all of these terms and their sort of contested nature? Uh, And of course, talking about what the family means and how important that is to understanding the common good, it seemed like an obvious topic to have on. So it's wonderful to have our local friends on to talk about it. And we will be talking about that, the uncommon good. Uh, with Bo Bonner Dr. Bud Marr right after these messages <laughs> Folks if you have questions for us at the Uncommon Good it's easy to ask all you need to do is use the ZipWit line 515-223-1150 515-223-1150 the ZipWit line All we mean by that is you take those old numbers those digits I just said and you text a message to that number and it will show up in the studio. Studio will then use the magic of reading letters to read what your message says, and then with the magic of more texting, probably, they will text us, tell us your question or your comment. We'll talk about it on air. We've had wonderful suggestions and questions before. We always look forward to hearing from everyone. The Zip Whip Line. 515-223-1150. Hashtag UCG for the uncommon good. Uh, Just make sure to let us know. And if we don't get to see it live, you can leave a message and we will address it next time we're on air. This is The Uncommon Good, and we'll be back right after this.
0: What is the best gift ever? Well, some might say a Catholic education, and I agree. But if you think you can't afford Catholic education, think again. Apply for CTO, and you could receive up to half your tuition for kindergarten through 12th grade. More information is online, org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future.
3: Hi, this is Father Mitch Pacwa, and our Lord said if you give a cup of cold water to a disciple because he's a disciple, you get a disciple's reward. We thank you for your support of Catholic Radio because we are trying to be faithful disciples and we trust that as you are generous, our Lord will also reward you with a disciple's reward.
1: You can give securely online at iowacatholicradio.com, the Iowa Catholic Radio app, or call 515-223-1150. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio was provided by Correll Contractor, serving Des Moines site work construction needs for over 60 years. Find out how you can support Iowa Catholic Radio at iowacatholicradio.com or 515-223-1150.
0: Thank you, Ashworth Vision Clinic, for underwriting Dowling Catholic Sports 365 on Iowa Catholic Radio. Ashworth Vision Clinic online at ashworthvision.com. Ashworth Vision Clinic, 515-440-4610.
1: Stressing about bills, saving for college, or preparing for retirement can affect your peace and your relationship with God. Through a grant from the Iowa Division of Insurance, Financial Literacy is an unbiased financial education program that is engaging, empowering, motivating, and available for free. Learn more at iowacatholicradio.com. Thank you, Golden Rule Plumbing,
0: Heating and Cooling, for sponsoring my show, John Lee and Eddie in the Morning on Iowa Catholic Radio. Golden Rule servicing Des Moines for over 15 years. They obey the rules to live by, especially the Golden Rule. Online at GoldenRulePHC.com.
1: We're back with the Uncommon Good. Bob Bonner and Doctor Bud Mar joining you on this wonderful Wednesday. Thank you for listening. We love having you all joining us on the show. Speaking of joining us on the show, our guests today are local favorites, well-known by all good people everywhere, at least in the Diocese of Des Moines. We have Adam Story, Director of Marriage and Family Life, and we have John Wynn, Director of Faith Journey and Other Catechetical Endeavors from the Diocese of Des Moines. Adam and John, thanks for joining the show.
3: Hey, thanks for having us.
4: Yeah. Hey, Bo, uh, you know how you introduced us earlier? Uh, yeah, can you, can you tell that to Amy the next time you see her? <laughs> My wife. That,
1: you're, that you're an all-star everywhere. That's exactly it. Can yes. You, that I please. can do that because we're friends. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well guys, uh, it's, it's great having you guys back on the show. And, uh, again, I want to say thank you for joining. Um, I wanted to throw out uh, a nearly impossible, uh, you know, gauntlet since we're close friends. Um, family uh you know that one word that uh can raise the ire of many people depending on what you want to say about it uh in the news again um on one hand we have people talking about the word nuclear family especially seems to be coming up uh in 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 different different modes different aspects that what people are talking about um what I have in mind specifically is it was a a hot enough topic that David Brooks and the Atlantic um, wrote an article that said the nuclear family was a mistake. Um, You have people who are defending the nuclear family, throwing it under the bus, all these things like this. And uh, I thought, Hey, who better to do this than to talk to someone who's uh, employed to talk about family and marriage life. uh, But then also someone who uh, runs catechesis and talks about, what What our faith journey is like together, primarily talking with families. Um, I guess the question starts to be when we think of the word family to start off the show, um, Adam and then John, why do you think the topic of family, which seems to be you know mundane by nature, it seems to be something we all have something of? It, it should go without saying. Why do you think the topic of family uh, continually, becomes a, such a topic of discussion and argumentation in our culture?
3: Well, um, you know, I think, Bo, that's a good question. And I would say this is such an important topic on the one hand, because I think it speaks to kind of the very heart of who we are, that we're communal beings, that, that we're made for connection, we're made for relationship. And so even though it's it's something that all of us kind of have a, a natural or an intuitive uh, knowledge of and even experience of, uh, it's vital because it, it kind of touches at, at uh, the taproot of, of who we are as people. Um, but I also think it's important because, you know, I think there's a particular way, especially uh, us as Americans, where we kind of... Um, can lose sight of the importance of family when we're such a, uh, independent individualistic, uh, culture. And when this kind of is connected with, um, you know, the modern world where we kind of, uh, I would say we try to control things more than really be stewards of things. And we can try to even take control of, of our connectedness, our relationships, the people we associate with, Um, you know, that's a real temptation in the modern world, but I also think it's, uh, uh, it can have really negative effects on, on, uh, our experience of life. So I think there's a particular individualistic American temptation, um, that can damage family life, but because it's at the root of who we are, I think it's really important to to talk about it too.
4: Yeah. I think I'm going to just basically affirm what Adam is saying there is that, uh, you know, we're, we're born naturally into uh, a family. <laughs> uh, I remember as a kid when I was, there's this show, uh, they've since turned it into a movie, and I don't know how popular it is in the U.S., but it, it's called The Monkey King. And uh, the, uh, the show began with a monkey, um, and the monkey is created uh, out of a rock, no parents at all. And I just always thought, man, that was, you know, I was eight, eight years old. Um, reading about this, uh, not a show at the time, but uh, watching it later and then reading about this monkey being created out of a uh, a rock and just thought, man, that's kind of weird because, you know, (laughs) everyone is born out of a – and then the the monkey, of course, finds um, other monkeys and and becomes family with it. But that always stuck with me was that, you know, this monkey uh, was created out of kind of – N- not two beings um and then the, the the other piece that adam was talking about um is there's this individualism and i think there's a sense an inclination in all of us to to seek to be autonomous uh to be free i think um you know and, and so there's this this inclination uh to want to be autonomous but then um there's this inherent sort of uh, also, inclination in our hearts to desire community, uh, and that's that's really the, from the Christian perspective, right? Is that we desire to be uh, with others rather than just by ourselves, and so uh, we can't escape talking about family, about communion, uh, especially because it's inherent, it's built into who we are. Um, and for us, as as Christians, as Catholics, we say that we're created in the image and likeness of God. Um, in the image and likeness of the Trinity, who is community. And so that, that's something that we can't escape uh, desiring, and from that desire, talking about it.
2: Guys, it seems like one uh, tension here, one tough point when we talk about these matters, is that uh, on the one hand, uh, in Catholic theology, you sometimes get a real um, strong affirmation of the family. So I think of someone like like John Paul II, and during his pontificate, he really wanted to re emphasize that the family was the basic building block of society. On the other hand, uh, like in scripture, especially in the New Testament, you get some strong words that seem to cut the other direction. And I think, especially, Jesus saying things like, um, you know, anyone who leaves uh, father and mother, even I think spouse, will receive like a hundredfold for the kingdom, or sometimes chastises those who, when he says, follow me, you know, there's the man that wants to go back and bury his father. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Christ says, like, the son of man has nowhere to lay his head, et cetera. So you have those kind of two pieces of our tradition. And I, I've been thinking about this this morning. I'm curious um, with your thoughts. Like, it, when we have these conversations, do you think sometimes the misunderstanding is around equivocation? So one writer or group is, is talking about the family in this way. And we want to affirm the positive that's there. But we also recognize that as Catholics, like maybe the way that America thinks about the nuclear family isn't exactly what we have in mind or want to affirm. So I, I'm curious, like in your guys' ministries, when you talk about family, do you try to bring in some of those nuances or how do you how do you um, how do you use that descriptor uh, in, in your conversations with other Catholics?
3: But I think that's a, a really good question and insight uh, that you're pointing to. And, um, you know, I think when we, there is that tension, but I think what we see is, um, you know, family is, it's it's really about a communion of persons. It's about the, this interconnectedness and this, uh, uh, you know, these deep relationships in Christ uh, and uh, in the church and uh, you know in his salvific plan he's calling us uh, into a new communion into a different communion uh, that I don't think uh, I don't think his intention is to negate the first communion but it's it's to draw us to a new level um, One of the things I think about is is um, sometimes we have this idea that, you know, the Christian communion or the Christian relationships that we're drawn into, the difference between the two families is the first family is given. Uh, you know, my parents are given, my siblings are given. Uh, that That's just received, but the new communion is chosen. You know, I get to choose who I associate with. I get to choose who I'm in relationship with. Uh, and, and I don't think that that's the case at all. I think that the Christian vision of family, the Christian vision of of the body of Christ, of the new communion, uh, is just as much given uh, and something to be received, and not to you know try to control or to, to you know try to cut out the parts that we don't like. Um, it's a new level of communion, but both are are given and to be received uh, and to be entered into, rather than uh, to try to control or to try to choose.
4: Yeah, I think, I think there's, um, there's a multifaceted use of that word family, right? Um, it's, it's almost like the word love and, uh, you know, you, you see some guy you work out with, he's like, what's up fam? Um, you know, that's <laughs> kind of a, a lower, uh, tier of community communion there, uh, in terms of family, if you will. Um, and then there's, there's, you know, there's the, the immediate family and there's the, there's the family that we belong to. That's, uh, the church, um, so you're right in, in the sense that, uh, you know, I, as Adam is pointing out there, there's a, there's a different, there are different levels of communion. Um, but, but I think overall, I think when we say, when we say family, um, uh, David Brooks actually points this out, right? Some of us actually means kinship um, and families can be, uh, there's this natural family unit that we, you're born into and, and you're tied to, but uh, there are families that you, that could be created simply out of, um, intentionality. Uh, so for instance, you know, the, in, in historically speaking, the Asians, the Vietnamese and, and, the, the Chinese, I know this, you can become brothers, uh, simply by, uh, dropping, cutting a little bit of your, your finger, having a drop of blood into a glass of, uh, of wine. Um, both of you do that. You drink that. And you you are now essentially kind of like blood family. Um, and your 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 kinship is even tighter than um a quote unquote friendship that you used to have, right? So uh so yeah, so there are different kind of levels of, of uh familial union, if you will. Um, and one could one is very much intentional, the other is is non-intentional. But I think especially when we talk about um in in a theological perspective uh, our um our family um the the deepest sort of uh the deepest communion that we can have is with God and so it's primary
1: yeah Dewey I think that uh excuse me John uh the, the, the bringing that up is a really important um, aspect about Dan- what what David Brooks is bringing up and the sort of worldwide different connotations of family. So when we think of the nuclear family and really, I think this was sort of a a subset of the sort of atomic age and because when this is all figured out and really identified this idea that there is a sort of basic building block that is a family and is essentially so. So you have a mom and a dad and whatever children they have and ideas like that, that atomically right is like the nucleus with its protons and neutrons and electrons, right? That's the idea. Um, And then everything else is sort of added onto that. But in the same way that it it talks about the atomistic age, is that, okay, these families now can sort of bounce around anywhere and stay family. And this was in contradistinction uh, to what came immediately before this. So as David Brooks points out, and I think he has a point, The sort of heyday of the nuclear family is the most built, like the most natural building block in the United States was basically 1950 to 1965, this sort of short post-war sort of idea. Before that, you have extended families that are almost entirely agricultural in mind, and they really do, there's different ways this happens, but for hundreds of years in most of the world that was agricultural in any sort of sustained way, you really do have um, what, what we would, I think, call extended families that would have not only, um, multiple, what we would call nuclear families. So we would have like grandparents, and then we would have different moms and dads with children, and then we'd have aunts and uncles. And because you had a lot of aunts and uncles, because everybody had more kids, not all of them got married. A lot of them stayed around the farm. So you had, uh, People, of course, died earlier, right? So you had kids who then, like, had parents who were remarried. You start to see about how immediately you can understand family in the strongest terms as sort of a group of 25 to 30 people. And David Brooks's point is that for most of human life, uh, in agricultural societies specifically, but then you even go back and look at sort of, like, the tribal beginnings of humanity, and there's, there's certainly things like this as well, that the sort of idea of, like, two parents and 2.5 kids, as the joke always goes, um, only has a very short blip in human history. And it's only since then that we see that nuclear family falling apart that we start to talk about this ideal of the nuclear family. And I think David Brooks's main point is the reason that we see families disintegrating now, the individualism that Adam and John talked about, is because the nuclear family already was sort of a, a step at disentangling ourselves from the deep ties that would make being in a place and things like this. He points out that the rise of nuclear families maps the rise of people moving into towns and working into factories. And, but he also says that the sort of ability to have a nuclear family as an ideal – only worked for a while because people did their best imitation of extended families, but mostly it was like with neighborhoods and front porches and things like this. And so when people start to talk about the nuclear family or criticisms of it, that's where I think it's important to, to be honest, like you said, about human history and even cultural differences that, what we mean by family, even though the most basic building block of it is certainly a mom and a dad and the children they have, that for a lot of human history, if you said the word family or whatever equivalent that was in whatever language, that people would immediately conjure to mind about 20 to 30 people and not, say, three to five. And that that really is a a sort of difference maker in all these discussions that we have. That's right. And, you know, it's
4: normally... So in our culture at least when, when you talk about family, you name the patriarch of the family, <laughs> the the head of the family and, and so as soon as you say the family of this person, you immediately think of everyone else that comes with that person right so the the wife, the kids, the great the grandkids and all of that stuff so so that's exactly it but one of the one of the things that's very curious to me as you talk about the nuclear family that's that's sort of you know, uh, from the fifties and the sixties. And there's an imitation of, um, or rather trying to be like the, the families that are in the 17th, 1800s and so on and so forth. One of the things that really, um, intrigues me is what I would call familial sort of solitude that's, that's progressed from it. Um, is this idea that, uh, I, I think, you know, as we, as the nuclear family um, progresses to simply be somewhat, essentially autonomous from others, um, there seems to be kind of a solitude that comes with that. That you know, it's no long, it's not just like a, a singular solitude, but you know, the, the family is kind of set off apart from everything else. And if if something fails in that family, it just simply fails uh, rather than being able to be in some sense. Um, Uh, you know, put together again by extended family.
3: You know, I might, I think, Bo, one of the things that you mentioned that I think is important is uh, the movement to the nuclear family being this uh, disentanglement that you mentioned, this, uh, you know, uh, breaking apart of this web of connections. And I, a lot of the people who will you know, be advocates for the family, who will speak to the family uh, today. Uh, they they speak to the family, but they also, uh, I think, still desire a disentangled way of living, an independent way of living. And, it, and I think it's important to see that these, these things go together, that we ought to be connected to each other, we ought to be dependent on each other. And, you know, I think as someone who, you know, lives in upper middle class existence, i think of how much money we spend and how much we, we invest in not having to be vulnerable with other people. You know, we're we're happy to help other people if they need help, uh, but god forbid if if i need somebody to help me paint my garage, i'm just going to hire somebody to do it. Or if i need somebody, you know, if my lawnmower breaks, am i going to borrow my neighbors or am i going to go out and get a new lawnmower and uh, that connectedness I think is really important because it's really human. Uh, and, and as we, you know, advocate for the family, I think we equally need to advocate for connectedness uh, and even vulnerability.
4: And I, so think Adam, that's,
1: Oh, go, go ahead, ahead, John. Yeah. We got a minute but, left. Go ahead.
4: Yeah. I think that's what David Brooks was getting at, right? Is that the, the more affluent you are, the more able you're in some sense uh, to to carry out this nuclear family without um, attachments with disentanglement, you can pay for things that normally traditionally would have been uh, done by extended family babysitting, for instance, Um, you know, that's, you're, you're able to to pay for all sorts of stuff so that uh, you can carry on your life um, as before.
1: No, and I I think, uh, well, look, we're up on the break. So when we get back, a lot to talk about, a lot of great stuff that we set up for the next part of the show. This is The Uncommon Good. Bob Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr will be back right after these uh, messages. Folks, if you want to keep up with what Iowa Catholic Radio is doing on the air and also in and around the Diocese of Des Moines, it's easy to do. All you have to do is follow us on social media. You can go to that original sort of site of social media-ness, the website, iowacatholicradio.com. There you can listen live. You can donate. You can sign up for newsletters. An easy place to go to find out what's going on. You can also go to Facebook. And find Iowa Catholic Radio and befriend us in Facebook friendship. And then you will be able to keep up with all the goings about and doings of Iowa Catholic Radio. You can do the same at Twitter, at Radio. Follow our tweets and be in the tweet know-how of Iowa Catholic Radio. And then finally, you can download the Iowa Catholic Radio app. And then the same thing. Listen wherever you have data. Uh, Sign up for, uh, excuse me, uh, donate and uh, listen to other programming as well. This is The Uncommon Good, and we'll be back right after this. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio is provided by the Iowa ENT Center, expert ear, nose, and throat care for adults and children. Find out how you can support Iowa Catholic Radio at iowacatholicradio.com or 515-223-1150. Thank you, Big Red Q Quick Print, for underwriting the sports report. Family owned and operated since 1980, Big Red Q Quick Print is a full-service print shop ready to help you with all your printing needs with speed and accuracy. BigRedQ-Des Moines.com There are millions of children that go hungry every day.
4: Thank you to Skeffington's Formalware for supporting Mary's Meals. Their vision is that every child in the world should be able to receive at least one good meal every day in a place of education.
3: Mary'sMealsUSA.org Thanks to Blessman International for their support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Every year, Blessman International leads teams of Central Iowans to share the compassionate heart of Christ with orphans and vulnerable children in South Africa. You can learn more and sign up for a trip at blessmaninternational.org.
0: What is the best gift ever? Giving a Catholic education is at the top of my list. Your contribution to CTO helps families send their children to our Catholic schools who otherwise could not afford it. In giving to CTO... You receive the best tax credits ever. Pledge or donate online at ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future.
1: Here's your forecast on Iowa Catholic Radio. Heat advisories in effect until early evening, sunshine, and mid-90s today with our heat index around 100, may get a shower or thunderstorm overnight with mid-70s, good chance of rain tomorrow. The weather is brought to you by Rock Valley Physical Therapy, outstanding outpatient physical therapy and sports medicine rehabilitation with seven convenient locations in the Des Moines metro and southwest Iowa area. I'm meteorologist Steve Hamilton on Iowa Catholic Radio. We're back with the Uncommon good Pope honor Dr. Bud Mark this wonderful Wednesday. Thank you for joining us on the show. Our guests are Iowa Catholic Radio and Des Moines Diocese All Stars, Adam Story and John Wynn. Adam and John, thank you for joining the show. Thanks yeah, for, thanks having, for us. having us. All right. So, guys, Bud, as we've pointed out earlier, uh, just had, uh, he didn't himself, but his family had kid number seven, which makes him the dominant alpha male on this call. So, I figured that. <laughs> Out of the second segment, we should make sure to let him ask the first question.
2: We all know that's not true, but I'll take it. I'm gonna I'm gonna splice that audio and play it for myself when I wake up in the morning just to get pumped up for the day. Um, no, I, Adam, I loved your point about uh, like embracing vulnerability and radical hospitality, and I think it ties back to some of what I was thinking about with Christ and the Gospels. And you know, Jesus is upfront that his message is going to divide some people from each other. And in some cases, even brother against brother and sister against sister. Obviously, I think we'd be misinterpreting that passage if we thought our Lord meant like, just be a jerk at Thanksgiving (laughs) or like, you know, ignore the rest of your family so that you can purchase another jet ski. Uh, And so I'm really intrigued by this idea of like, so when we talk about the nuclear family, I do think there's a way in our culture that it's become another form of almost a level of individualism where it's like an isolated group that's primarily focused on its own interests. And uh, to borrow um, an idea from Scott Hahn, you know, like coming into the Catholic faith, one thing that I was struck by is that God has provided through the Catholic church, family relationships at every level. So we call the Pope father, you know, we call monks brothers and, um, and nuns sisters and and sort of on down the line. And I guess I've been struck by, uh Sort of like the creativity of the Catholic faith to, to to so to speak, like fill in the gaps. And what I have in mind is that I think the experience of family over the last forty or fifty years in our country has not been a positive thing for a lot of people. And in some cases, they found themselves more isolated than people would have been a hundred years ago. And when I think about Catholics giving sort of like a, a different, like a countercultural message regarding the family. Like we have to, we have to be sure to preach not only what we believe about, you know, fidelity in marriage and, and birth control, et cetera, but also to remind folks that, like the the priority, like the highest end, kind of like Dewey intimated at the beginning of the show, is that our most important commitments are this new family that we've been called into. And I guess I'd be interested in hearing from you guys, like ways that you think about the Catholic Church, sort of. Filling in those gaps or being being creative, and I guess I'll kick it off for myself. Like one of the biggest thing is religious orders and the sort of like creativity and flexibility that they have. Thinking historically, when when individuals or citizens were economically vulnerable or on the margins of society, a lot of times they could look to the works of monastery monasteries and convents as ways to find material provision to plug themselves into community. Etc. And I, I worry that we've kind of even lost that. You know, like monks and nuns are just not as visible in our context as they were in previous eras. But uh, other other ideas that you guys might have.
3: But, um, oh, go ahead, Dewey John. <laughs> Thanks, Adam.
4: Uh, for me, I think uh, the, the sacraments of initiation are um, are great um, ways. That that show um, you know so this familiar uh, familial uh, kinship. I, I mean, we've lost some of that, and I, it's my favorite harping point. Is is uh, you know, especially when it comes to baptism. I, you know, baptism is a public affair. Um, it's a welcoming of someone into the church, and I, I spoke about this yesterday. Um, but I'd like to see that you know, as back as part of a a, a public. Um, Celebration rather than a private celebration, and so uh, my favorite things at uh, St. Peter's when a, you know on a Sunday, first Sunday of the month, is to see uh, a, a new child or uh, um, you know a new little kid uh, come into the parish, being baptized into the parish, being baptized into the the family, uh, the Catholic family. Um, you know, it might make the mass go a little longer, but uh, that's that's what we, we, uh, we find important in our, in our faith. And so uh, baptism, the, the sacraments of initiation are great ways that our church has, has come to sort of uh, fill these gaps as you will.
3: So, but when I was thinking about that, I was thinking of, um, you know, I think when it's, when it's healthy, there's an opportunity for a parish community Uh, to provide that kind of broader interconnectedness. And, uh, you know, this, I think, was a lot more obvious or present when many of our parishes were ethnic parishes. Uh, I also think uh, that a healthy expression, something I'm a fan of, is parish boundaries, uh, because I think that, you know, authentic community is given more than it's chosen, and so uh, you have to be a part of the community that, that you've been given. And I'm not trying to, you know, make a big argument, because I think there's lots of camp complexities within uh, within this context. But I do think that, uh, you know, with a in a, in a healthy parish life, uh, you ought to be able to recognize that the people that are in the pews with you are people uh, that you can rely on, people that you can reach out to, uh, and people that are going to... Uh, be with you, even when you face really difficult uh, situations and difficult circumstances. Um, I think that that's a that's a way that 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 broader family context can be lived out uh, in our Catholic culture today.
1: Well, so would you guys say that like what we're aiming to do is disrupt a sort of Western prescribed idea of the nuclear family structure as a requirement? So what we're going to do is support each other as extended families and villages and collectively care for one another do you think that's a good way of putting what we're after yeah yeah well, I the, think I, ideally
3: i think uh uh expand expand the web of connectedness that um i do think you know if it's if it's exclusively a focus on the nuclear family we can't enter into a sort of individualism in the you know just a broader individualism uh, than any particular person. So, uh, broader connectedness, broader kind of communal reliance, uh, I think is what we ought to advocate for.
1: Now, guys, the reason I put it that way is because I am a turkey that has (laughs) walked you into a trap. That definition is from, uh, the very, the, the, the Black Lives Matters groups website. It's the description of what they think family should be like. Now, I want to point out something. The rest of the sort of, like, points that surround this, there's plenty of things that disagree with Catholic teaching, so I'm not trying to, like, make any sort of point about that aspect at all. What I want to point out is that a description that had been thrown out as being delirious of the Catholic understanding of family, I think, has not really been properly engaged with. Now, there's all like I said, there's all sorts of problems with maybe like specifics and like theories that they bring up and aspects that they go to. But what I want to point out is, folks, we've been talking about what we mean by an extended, expanded version of the family. And just like all three of these guys, Bud John and Adam just said, is that we need to have we already have in the church an expanded idea beyond the sort of consumption unit of mom, dad, and kids buying stuff in a house, which is where the idea of the nuclear family really comes to. And so when you guys hear in the world of media, when you're talking with people, and this goes back to what we mean about it being a contested subject that people don't necessarily think through. When people throw out, are things pro or against family? It's imperative of Catholics to ask, what we mean. Because, of course, all good things can be rendered in an idolatrous way. And one of the chief idolatrous ways is to make even something the family, which Adam and John have both pointed out, the goal is to bring you outside of yourself, to imitate the Trinity in the communal nature of the Trinity. But we can even make that intimate community, our first families, into something like selfishness. And I think you guys have done a beautiful job pointing out That family is always expanding, right? It's like the love of God; it's diffusive, and so that we always need to make sure to extend and grow that interconnectedness of families. Now, I know you might not ever come under the show again, or you might not ever answer yes or no if you agree something without asking me where I'm quoting it from. Uh, But beyond beyond being angry at me, do you think that, like guys, that that's part of the problem is we assume? Uh, that like family is like a box, check yes or no, instead of really drilling down and asking, what do we mean when we say support the Catholic understanding of the family?
3: Yeah, you know, I I still feel comfortable with that affirmation. And and I think, I mean, there's, there's the family question, but there's also the broader comment that uh, I think so much of our, of our, and this is family related too, since, we, since we're not as interconnected as, as we used to be, uh, so much of our conversations have just become power struggles and, and the idea that uh, I can't give any ground or I can't concede any point because, because if I do, that weakens my position. Uh, and that's how adversaries communicate with each other, but it's not how family communicates with each other. Uh, you know, when a family is having a conversation, people can disagree heatedly uh, and still learn from each other and still grow. And uh, yeah, so I think, the, I think the affirmation still stands. And, um, you know, I think that uh, uh, the, even, even the fact that if anything is mentioned by Black Lives Matter matters that it becomes toxic, uh, I think that in itself is a toxic environment, too
4: right uh, same way here uh, you know w- when we talk uh, about uh, family and and we think okay well family is just this this nuclear unit um, and not treated as if um, it's an ex- it, it, it's a kind of a communal thing uh, what ends up happening is when you have a, a family um, a nuclear family uh, that uh, is you know impoverished and then um, the the father leaves let's say and i think this is this is the contention point right because when people say um we want to preserve the family what what they're trying to say is you know we want a father and mother sure um we don't disagree with that i i don't disagree with that what i i do see though is when you simply focus on the nuclear family as again as you say a consumption unit what happens is um there's this this solitude of the family. And so when, when the relationship breaks, when the father leaves, what ends up happening is, um, you know, you're you're left with a broken unit that there's no support. And so, uh, so you're, you're dealing with children, uh, raised in homes, um, and they'll, they'll suffer for it. The, the, you know, the the family suffers for it because there isn't any sort of, um, support. And, And so, when when we focus so much and, and as as we, we're talking about here you know this this notion of the nuclear family taking off and in in a very real sense um being the universal uh, image of family what happens is when it breaks there
1: is uh
4: no support to fix it
1: and it doesn't have to be like divorce either like people die i, I think that's yeah, yeah. Something or that- like yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, right. And, and, I, and exactly. so anyway, I think your point's exactly, you know, that um, it's not only people that have like a lot of money between two peop two adults. It's also, like you said, people who go through life acting like no bad thing will ever happen to this unit until like they're good and ready to die when they're 80 and stuff like that. I mean, that's nice when that happens. But throughout most human history. Uh, especially if you're working in agriculture or mining or things like this. I mean, fathers died all the time and I, there's just countless stories of people being mm-hmm. raised by uncles and things like this.
4: I mean, I was yeah. sharing with you like the, the, the film like ordinary people, it's, a, it's an old film, right. But you know, uh, they, they're kind of well off, but they're, they're a, uh, what you would call a nuclear family, um, you know, uh, two parents, two kids. And uh, one kid happens to, to, have drowned, um, due to an accident, to a swimming accident. Uh, the mother blames the other son for not helping or whatever. And so the family falls apart, um, with, without any help. I mean, there's, there's just nothing. And so you look at this family and you go, okay, this, this is the family that has it all. And from the outside, sort of everyone else thinks this family has it all. Uh, but then suddenly you realize they don't. <laughs> and when, when disaster happens, um, no, there's no one else to rely on, nothing to fix it, to help it, mend it.
2: Yeah, and I think uh, as we think about these matters for myself and, and thinking about my own spiritual journey, like we have to remember as well that the formation starts really early because it, it feels sometimes like in the church we're, we're occasionally trying to do triage like after things have gone wrong, but I, this is more of a comment and maybe you guys can jump in with your analysis of how far off I am. But, uh, you know, like in our in our culture, I I feel like we've settled into a very romantic understanding of marriage in the sense like that relationship is supposed to provide you with ultimate happiness. And we communicate this at relatively young ages through through film and music and things like that. And uh, maybe, Adam, you could share, like, in terms of, like, preparing couples to marry. I don't know. um, I I don't want to I don't want to sound like too bitter about my past or anything, but like. Like as as a youth, as a young person, I don't know if I I got a lot of like formation and direction about what marriage, family and family entailed beyond it will provide you with personal happiness. Right. And so what are those other pieces that we need to be communicating with our young people, our young adults as they're moving towards um, towards that relationship?
3: Well, but I think I think that's a. Excellent and important point. And absolutely in marriage preparation, uh, you know, we do try to address that, but kind of as you said, in a sort of a triage triage way, because um, you know, there is kind of this formation that's provided that uh, you know, marriage is gonna be blissful and 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 no conflict and no adversity, uh, and it's you know it's gonna follow the plot of a romantic comedy. Um, And there's even at times a temptation within the church, I think, to try to sort of uh, uh, out romantic comedy, the romantic comedies that will say, well, all that's true. But if you're faithful, it'll even be more true. Um, And that's just not reality. So I think, you know, the most important formation that we have is the stories that we tell Um, and You know, when you talk about extended family, I think it's particularly important because, you know, sometimes those stories are verbalized, but most often they're just witnessed that you see the way, uh, you know, cousins and aunts and uncles and parents and grandparents, you see the way they live out their family life. And you see examples of success and you see examples of failure, uh, but you're still all knit together. Um, And that's that's the most that's the most important kind of formation that we receive uh, is the stories that we tell around the table. And it's the stories that we witness uh, just in living a common life.
1: Adam, you know that that's it it brings up like something that would that problematizes everything that I've said. Like so with my family on my mom's side, like so the, the closest to like what I I know of personally of an extended family like this would be my mom's uh, brothers and sisters and sort of like her family. So the primal story and all of that, though, of the Gibsons is that I had multiple like so my my granddad and his brothers, multiple of them ran away from home to go join the military because it was easier than living Pentecostal life of uh, farmers, so much so that my great grandma despised high school's because they took kids away during harvest, right? Like she didn't want her younger kids to go to high school because she thought it was disrupting their way of life. And I had multiple. So people, my granddad's age, who were like, we're going to go do something easy and go fight in wars compared (laughs) to living with grandma and living on the farm. And what's, what's interesting, right. Is like, like beyond like a lot of other family dynamics that it's too late to bring up. Um, for a generation, like my mom's brothers and sisters are extremely close, uh, and so they, it seemed like they were trying to do what like David Brooks was saying, where they have to, they, they took the good of the extended family, but then the good of not being like let's not send kids to high school so that they farm wheat their entire lives. Right? There's there's a balance to be had there, but it really only lasted a generation. My generation, like I love my cousins, and when we were growing up, we were really close. I see all of them far less now. And I know that my kids have even less of a sort of connection there. I think what I'm trying to throw out, because of course it's here at the end and it sounds like I'm throwing our entire discussion under the bus. But what I'm trying to say is that, and I, th- I got this from both of you guys, family is something that has to be continually worked at. And it's, uh, if it's a virtue, that means that there's two extremes. There's the extreme of acting like it's just blood and soil and sort of all the things we get worried about when we hear things like Nazis or we hear things like, you know, great great grandmothers who don't want kids to go to school. But on the other hand, to act like the only thing that matters is sort of like consumption and choices and chosen family and doing what you want. It seems like what the gospels like Bud pointed out with like there being a pro and uh con tension between families is that only in Christ, we're going to be able to hold together um, those two extremes We've unfortunately come to the end of the show, uh, and so I want to first of all say, Adam and John, thank you guys for coming on the show and letting me uh, trick you with quotations and stuff. That's the sort of friendship we have. Thank you guys for coming on the show. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Bud.
3: Yeah, thanks for having us.
1: And also want to say, Bud, thank you for uh, being a sterling example of uh, family, not only because you just had another uh, kid, but... I think a lot of us feel that we belong in the extended universe of the Mars. So thank you for that, bud.
2: Oh, no doubt. It's great having those guys on.
1: Uh, this is The Uncommon Good. May Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, reign in our hearts, in our families, extended and otherwise, uh, in our cities, our states, our nations, the entire world, solar system, galaxy, the whole kitten caboodle. This is The Uncommon Good, and we'll be back next week. But if people want to be a part of our extended prayer family on Iowa Catholic Radio praying, how can they do so?
2: Yeah, please join us praying the rosary daily at 5.30 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 9.30 p.m. Those uh, prayer opportunities are also available anytime on the Iowa Catholic Radio app. And finally, we also pray together the Angelus Daily at 6 in the morning.
1: And then folks, uh, we just want to say thank you for everything that you do for us. We do believe that Iowa Catholic Radio is an extended family. We, we join each other in prayer. We support each other. And we want to say thank you for allowing our show to be a part of that family. Um, hopefully, we hope you c- prayerfully consider that also there's material ways to support uh, this family uh, that you can go online, like we said, and the donate button. You can call 515-223-1150 and talk about that. But certainly through your physical uh, continuation and support of the show through donations, but also spiritually through prayer. This really does belong to all of us. We talking on the air are just one part of it, all the people behind the boards, all the people in the offices, but primarily you, the listeners, that make this possible. And we just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Bud, like I said, man, get some rest. Tell Rachel that we uh we're happy for her. Tell all the kids hello. And uh yeah, man, we'll see you next week.
2: All right, thanks, Bo. Stay cool out there in Iowa.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm making sure not to work too hard. Don't worry about me. This is The Uncommon Good, folks. We love having you join us, uh, and we will look forward to having you with us next week.
0: The Uncommon Good with Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr is heard every week on wonderful Catholic stations like this one and anytime on podcasts. Just search for The Uncommon Good.